Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, and thank you. Thank you for your continued prayer support. It means a lot. Now let's ask our Lord for wisdom before we begin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do seek your wisdom, Lord, in all that we do. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to gather with your saints, to worship you in spirit and truth. And Lord, now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O our rock and our redeemer. And we pray in Christ's name. Amen. As we begin this morning, the third point of our series, let us have a reminder of the first two. The first point of the five points of Calvinism is total depravity, countered from the first point of Arminianism, free will. We are depraved due to the fall of our first earthly father, Adam. The second point was unconditional election, countered from the Arminian conditional election. Remember, no conditions for salvation. God will have mercy on whom he wills and have compassion on whom he wills. No injustice as well. So now let's look at the third point of Calvinism. Limited atonement. Limited atonement was countered for the Arminian point, universal atonement. The Arminian insists that atonement, and by that he means redemption, is universal. In other words, Christ died to save no one in particular, but only those who exercise their free will and accept his offer of eternal life. Hence, his death was a partial failure, since those with negative volition will go to hell. Calvinism believes Christ died to save particular persons who were given him by the Father in eternity past. Remember, before the foundation of the world. His death was, therefore, 100% success, in that all for whom he died will be saved, and all for whom he did not die will receive justice from God when they are cast into hell. Did you notice the Old Testament reading from Deuteronomy 7? For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. And that's just verse 6. How encouraging is that? Now let's see if we can flesh out this in Scripture, as the Reformers did back way back in the 17th century. When we speak of the meritorious work of Christ on the cross, here's the question. Do we rightfully say that he died for all men equally and alike, as the Arminians? 
Or do we more accurately state with the Calvinist that Christ died for the elect only? (laughs) That was kind of a loaded question, wasn't it? (laughs) As I said earlier, before we jump to a hasty conclusion based on emotion or denominational traditions, let's see what the Word of God says and come to a logical conclusion in this vitally important matter. This was supposed to be the most difficult of the five points, but as I began preparing, I didn't find this to be so, especially if we understand the first two in their context. It becomes more evident that we serve a sovereign God who makes no mistakes, who does no injustices. Quickly, quickly, let's look at the word limited. How many of you have bought, uh, have or bought something with a limited lifetime warranty? Maybe you have a vehicle that has the word limited on it somewhere. The manufacturer either only made so many of those or it has something to do with this model or maybe options it may have. Hopefully, this helps people understand the meaning limited. Also, the word atonement might be associated with redemption, the word redemption. Limited atonement. Much of what we think about the atoning death of Christ will be tempered by what we understand the simple word world to mean. In the Gospel of John, this word has significance that it may have as many as seven different meanings. Number one could mean the classical sense or the orderly universe. Number two, maybe just the earth itself. Number three, the human inhabitants of the earth by metonymy. Children, metonymy is a figure of speech consisting of the use of the name of one thing or that of another, which is an attribute or associated with. Number four, mankind under the Creator's judgment, alienated from his life in an ethical sense. Number five, the public who were about Christ, the Jews in particular. And number six, the kingdom of evil forces, angelic as well as human as related to the earth. And number seven, men out of every tribe and nation, but not all tribes and nations as a whole. In other words, the term world may refer to all that God created or to the earthen sphere upon which mankind dwells or to mankind as a whole or to the Palestinian contemporaries of our Lord, the Jew in particular, or to evil forces related to the earth in rebellion against God, or to persons selected out of every tribe and nation upon the face of the earth. Wherever the word appears, it must be dealt with in the context in much the same way that the word all must be examined. 
One example might be, Behold, the world has gone after him. That's in John twelve nineteen. The Pharisees said this. We know that the world, or all peoples, were not going after him. Shoot, even the Pharisees themselves weren't all going after him. For sure, every human being on the face of the earth was not following our Savior. So you see what I mean when regarding the use of the word world. How about the most well-known text used? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3.16 Of course, the Arminian logically assumes that the word world is to mean all of humanity because he believes in post-destination in regards to the positive volition that we've been talking about, man's works. Whereas the Calvinist believes the definition of the world to be men from every tribe and nation, but not all tribes and nations as a whole. Scripture teaches that Election is based upon God's purpose, which is not affected by any condition on the part of man. Remember, since man's will is not free, but bound by Satan and sin and death, so if we believe that the Bible teaches that God is sovereign, that his plan is immutable, and his Election is unconditional. We must conclude that the atonement is limited to those whom he freely willed to make objects of his grace. Remember what grace is. Unmerited favor. or Wholly undeserved. That denies the term they use, conditional election. Romans 3.23, and are justified by his grace as a gift. Let us jump back to John 3.16 for a bit and ask some questions. Who is it that will not perish but have everlasting life? Nearly everyone will agree that the answer is whosoever believeth in him. Question two, who is it that will believe according to the scripture? The Arminian will answer this one, whoever of his own free will chooses to trust in Christ. But the Calvinist would say, to whom the Father chose in Christ of his own free will. Number three, who then is included in the word world? Here, both agree that the, word, the, that the world, in terms of those whom Christ died, i.e. believers, means men out of every tribe and nation, but not all tribes and nations as a whole, since not all will trust in Christ. The Armenians must 
at least agree that although the blood of Christ is sufficient in value and his death is infinite worth in the eyes of God, after all, it is the blood of God, so universal atonement is not tenable. The idea that his death was spoiled or foiled by man, since he could not save all he wanted to save, no, no. This would mean that God is not omnipotent, or that he only gained a small victory on the cross. One might ask, what about those who say, what, second, uh, what about Second Peter 3, 9? where it says that the Lord is not willing for any to perish. Again, we have to look at the context of who he is referring to here. We go back to the beginning of the book in 2 Peter 1.1. Simon Peter is saying to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ, by our God, yeah. Christ did not die for all men. Atonement was limited. Redemption was particular. Only the elect bride of Christ was the object of his love. The Apostle Paul says so in Ephesians 5.25. Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It being the church. Now, let's look a little at the text for today in John 17, 6 through 11. It read, I, am, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you, that you have given me is from you, for I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know the truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ manifesting the name of our Heavenly Father, the beauty of His perfection as revealed to humanity. All things belong to God, who is the Creator. However, Christ has been given the people, redeemed through the redemption of His atoning sacrifice. Hence, verse 6, you gave me. Now he is thanking God the Father for giving those who, once, uh, who were once his, but now, along with the words which have been received as well, all authority over all flesh. As we see in the first five verses, he is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for us. 
Isn't that encouraging? He is no longer in the world as we are, but He is coming back, all the while urging the Father to keep us in His name for us to be one even as they are one. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave Himself for our sins that He might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Comes from Galatians 1, 3 and 5. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. Another example in John 10, 14 through 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and they know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. Who are the sheep? The sheep are the believers, the elect ones. Those who know his voice, John 10:27. How about this? They do not believe because they are not my sheep in John 10:26. These verses that are that may be learned at a very young age in Sunday school. Maybe you don't relate them to the elect or predestination or even limited atonement, but there they are. The scriptures do not teach that Christ died to save everyone from their sins. We are told clearly that his death was designed for the salvation of his people, whom the Father chose in eternity past. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. 1 Peter 2.9 Remember early on that I said there were words that may have been better to describe the Calvinist. Instead of the word limited, there may have been... uh, Instead of the word limited, the word definite has been thrown around. In a nutshell, the death of Christ was intended to win the salvation of God's people alone. And not only was it intended to do so, but it will actually achieve it as well. In this respect, the adjective definite does double duty. It denotes the intent of Christ's death for the elect only, and it denotes the efficacy of Christ's death. He really will save his elect, guaranteeing their faith in the gospel. Jesus will be true to his name. He will save his people from their sins. But that messes up the acrostic tulip. Limited atonement is perhaps the most difficult of the five points for a lot of people to grasp. Why, you may ask? 
There are many verses in the scriptures that refer to the things that can be taken out of context. For instance, as we have already covered John 3.16 and the world, other verses may say the word all or the word many. These texts are often employed by those who defend universal atonement. But what do we say here at Redeemer and other Reformed churches? Compare Scripture with Scripture. In most cases, these words are taken out of the context of atonement. And we have already looked at many verses that counter universal atonement. What do you think the Calvinists believe in limited atonement? Maybe just for the simple reason that Christ and the apostles believed it and also taught it. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Matthew one twenty one. As you know, this is Palm Sunday, the beginning of Holy Week, the triumphal entry. As they came near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, to the Mount of Olives, he sent two in town to get a colt, the foal of a donkey. Say to the daughter, say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt. As he entered the city, they lay cloaks, and others cut branches and lay them on the road. The crowds went ahead and behind him, shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Others asked, Who is this? The crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. All of this is found in Matthew 21 as well as in Zechariah 9.9. As we ponder this holy week ahead of us, Leading to Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. Let us be thankful, especially for the resurrection, as that is the key. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Romans 8.32 There are so many places in scriptures that says how special the people of God are. How much he loves us. Yet, we took him to to that cursed tree. Let us be forever thankful for this love by serving Him continually. Live with Him and for Him. 
I wanted to close with something our friend Robert Godfrey shared a couple of weeks ago at the Legionnaire Conference. He was talking about God electing his people. He said that God does the electing. God does the choosing. Many Christians believe that those of us who believe in predestination and election, they say, if this is so, if God does the choosing, what's the use? Why evangelize? But we know different. We don't know who the elect are. Go and make disciples. We know this from the Great Commission. But this is not the only responsibility that we have. We have the most important thing is for us to be faithful. We must be faithful. Are you faithful? Are you faithful? Let's pray. Father and our God, we do thank you again, Lord, for this opportunity. And Father, above all, we thank you, Lord, for choosing your people, that we had nothing to do with it. Father, we commit not only this time to you, but we praise you for all that you do in our lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, above all for the the Son, Jesus Christ, whom you gave for us, for our sins. And Father, we just want to glorify you in all that we do and praise you for it and help us, Lord, to be faithful. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.